Okay, one thing I would say is that I am no great man of God because there are no great men and women of God. We are weak men and women with a great God. And that's something that I had to learn as a pastor. I wouldn't say I went into being a pastor knowing that fully, understanding that. But, uh, yeah, uh, in February, Marilyn and I retired, and uh, we have enjoyed a, a lovely year, not without ministry. I've uh, been to England and preached over there. It was lovely to be part of an Anglican church that was birthed in 1250. And uh, the, the, the stones in the walls, are, are, some of them are Roman bricks, you know. It's just mind-blowing. It's wonderful to, to be there. Uh, next week Marilyn and I begin something a little bit different uh, something that I actually as a pastor was the occasions that it happened I thought I want to do this very occasionally you would get someone come out of the blue maybe to the office in fact back in my Youth for Christ days I had Marcus Ardern come unsurprisingly he said I just want to come and encourage you and he spent a few days and it was such a blessing and uh, that's something that I want to do in my retirement so next week we go to Wakatani and Tauranga and I'm just I've got one or two appointments with pastors I just want to sit with them and encourage them and refresh their heart in the Lord because listen the book of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 reminds us again and again to be centered in Christ. There is no other way to survive in this world except to be centered in the Lord Jesus Christ. The supremacy of Christ, my first slide up here. Uh, Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews, is about the supremacy of Christ. In fact, 13 times it says it's comparing Christ with what the Hebrews knew of their Judaism and it says Christ is better, better, better 13 times, better than better than, better than one of the things I have learned is in, in pastoral ministry is, is a challenge to keep Christ at the centre of any church and I don't care what church you are, whether you are Pentecostal, swinging from the rafters, or if you are a traditional church, the challenge is to keep Christ at the centre, because the world is always speaking, saying you should be doing this, you should be doing that, look at the hypocrisy in the church, and we get all worried, and we start doing all kinds of things that are busy, but it's not about Christ. Hebrews chapter 11. But the whole book of Hebrews is written to disappointed believers, weary believers. They had expectations of faith in Christ that are now being tempered by things that are pressures and, and society and the rulers of the time are bringing some pressures. Believe me people, New Zealand we don't know what it is to know the pressure of persecution really yet, but it is coming, it will come, and it may not come overtly but subtly. 
And, and as I saw on television a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dave Riddell, a great counselor in the Christian community, uh, they're, they're, they're subtly pointing at him and saying, this man is teaching something that is wrong, and he could easily end up uh, persecuted in prison for things that he does in his counseling work. Hebrews are experiencing loss, and they don't like it. Loss physically. In fact, you know, when we look at the New Testament, so much of the New Testament is written because of problems in the church. We take away all of the stuff that's written about problems in the church, we wouldn't have much of the New Testament left. We are no different in our age. Well, error for the Hebrew church was not called out tentatively. It's not about a discussion about where is truth and what is truth. The error is soundly presented, not out of discussion. Let's read Hebrews 11, which is uh, Hebrews 11 when 35a through to 12.2. And uh, I've got most of it up here on screen. There'll be a little part that I won't be reading, but uh, most of it is there. And uh, we're going to be encouraged, I hope, by this part of Hebrews 11. So we're reading from uh, the second part of verse 35. Well, I'll read from the beginning of verse 35. The heroes of faith, some women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better, there's that word better, so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Folks, I have up there a question for you. Are you one of the others? You have been studying Hebrews in the first part of Hebrews 11, that incredible, by faith, by faith, by faith, the incredible things that happened. 
to Noah and others that, that by faith great miracles came about. But the last part of Hebrews 11 may not be one that is read with such fervour. And the people who are commended are simply called others. But look at their testimony. Why did they miss out on the miracles? Are you one of the others? I, I want to, I'd, I'd like you to participate honestly with me in this part. I've got four questions for you, and I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up if these questions apply to you. And I'm participating in it, okay. The first question is this. If you've ever trusted God for something, please raise your hand. Secondly, hold, keep it up there, keep it up there, please keep it up there. If that for which you trusted God has not come to pass yet, keep your hand up. The third thing, if there's now no possibility of God ever answering your prayer, please keep your hand up. Let me qualify it. It may be you've prayed and trusted God for a loved one to live and they die. It may be you've trusted for a loved one's salvation and that did not come to pass before they died. It may be a crisis in your family, your home or your work. And now the answer is too late. Is your hand still up? I see a few hands. Congratulations, folks, you are one of the others. If you are still holding on to faith in Christ Jesus, you are one of the others. Do you get it? You folk are blessed and you must believe it. You hang on to it. The only group to whom the scriptures say... This world is not worthy of you. You are men and women worth more to God than the whole world. The others are the only ones who get that commendation. Do you understand it? If you've trusted and not given into despair, you don't even belong here. You are a faith person, you're a heaven person. You're blessed and you are counted among the others. You hold on to faith in our Lord. You're one of the others who gives faith to God, which is something the angels cannot do. And how pleased is God with that? Just sheer faith. Lord, I'll trust you even though everything is against it. I have a story uh, of two years ago where I was praying and in despair I, I can, my temperament can drop to a point where I can be depressed about things that don't go right and I'm praying and my wife is praying also and, and we don't understand the situation 
We don't understand it. It's it's a family situation and, and it involves overseas, etc. And, and it gets so complex. But I'm driving and as I'm driving and my wife and I are travelling somewhere, I'm driving and I'm, I'm miserable and I'm praying and I'm miserable. And the Lord graciously says, just out of the blue, just that, not an audible word, but that word in your heart, you know. Are you going to lose your joy in me over this? My answer is, no. I cannot lose my joy in the Lord over something that is out of my hands, out of my control, that I cannot change, and I have to lift to Him and leave it with Him. And what I was doing, I understand it, is I'm putting, I'm putting my joy and my despair on the same track, and life does not run on one track. Have you realized that yet? There are two tracks like a railway. And you can have your joy in the Lord and you have all your problems and issues. But we don't confuse the two. And in fact, I make sure I keep my issues on this hand, if you like. And I keep my joy in the Lord on this hand. And this does not come over that, but this must come over that. Lord, you are over my circumstances. You are my wonderful King. Amen. Remember that simple little illustration. It helps so much. It helps me so much. Hebrews 11 puts, puts faith people into two categories. Those who believe and their faith allowed them to receive great miracles. Their faith did not create the miracles. It allowed them to receive the miracle from the God, from God, from the Lord. And then there are those who believe in faith and this is the Hebrews 11.35a to the end of the chapter. Those who believe in faith while receiving no miracle. And in fact I could say for those who had no fellowship even. They were in caves in the desert. They received nothing. But they still held on to their faith and belief. The others. Let's have a look at the next slide which, which clarifies this. Faith in Hebrews 11, and don't you ever miss this, it is a twofold victory. It's not just praying and believing and receiving your miracle. One, it conquers the difficulty. Amen? That's Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 1 to 35. Hey? And the secondly, the other victory of faith is faith conquers in the power it receives to be patient and wait and to endure. It proves its spirit is greater than all the world and Satan can throw at it. Amen? This is the kind of faith you and I, in some point of our life, we are going to need And here's an amazing thing as we move on. It's, it's a little bit peculiar, but verses 39 and 40. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, 
since God had provided something better so that they would not apart from us be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Here's the fascinating thing. All those heroes of faith, the ones who received and the ones who received nothing, their hope and their goal was there is a promise that is yet to be fulfilled. This is the whole story of the Old Testament and the prophets. It's yet to come, it's yet to come, but it's coming, it's coming. And they held on to that. And in the process of the death and resurrection and ascension of Christ into heaven, the consummation of that faith occurred. And now, you and I, we live in this incredible new era with a cloud of great witnesses, those witnesses of faith in the spiritual realm, watching and, and, and witnessing to what Christ is doing now. Oh, there is a consummation to come when we join them, isn't it? When he comes at the end of the age. But already the victory is run. Already Christ has conquered. Already there is a consummation, and this is what Hebrews 11.40 is talking about. The something better, the making perfect together through Christ our Lord. Laying aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Folks, we are, thanks, next slide. We are either in unbelief or we are in faith. Unbelief does not have its roots in weakness, but in worldliness, self-righteousness and pride. And every believer can get caught up in that at some point or other. <laughs> Just be a pastor for a while and you'll know you have pride. Be a mother or a father and you'll know about self-righteousness and pride. Live in the world and you'll know about the temptations of worldliness. But these are weights we are to discard because we have such a cloud of witnesses. We never ever lose our flesh desires. God left us with those. Wouldn't it have been so nice if he had just, when we became a believer, oh, everything, I, just zap me up. Oh, you know. But I'm left with my flesh, I'm left with the temptation of pride and all those things. I live with. But, but it's developing me. It's shaping you and I and it's making us realize we cannot live this life. We can't go to work tomorrow without the Lord Jesus Christ with us to do it properly and to live aright. He leaves it in us so that we know we must trust him. Now we come to the crutch. This is my crutch, really. My next slide. We're into Hebrews chapter 12. The therefores. We're to put aside, cast aside, looking away from 
to Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2.12.2 tells us the simple way to achieve faith is by fixing our eyes upon Jesus Christ. Because a wrong focus, putting on a different set of glasses that aren't mine, if I tried your glasses, I would have a wrong focus. I've got to have my focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the right glasses. Otherwise I am in unbelief and I will go into unbelief. Faith comprises seeing with the eyes of my born again heart and spirit. And here's the thing. I can choose what I look to. I can choose to look to Jesus or to look to my problems. God is working by the Holy Spirit to make us look to Jesus. I don't know, over the years and years that I have been uh, in, in different forms of ministry, there are many times the Holy Spirit is doing different things in the church. But the one thing that is so often missed in teaching about the Holy Spirit is his primary role is to teach you and show you who? Jesus Christ. Jesus said it. He will remind you of everything I have taught you. He will present you, me to you. That is the Holy Spirit's aim. If you are not falling more in love with Jesus as you grow older, I, I ask you, Pray the Holy Spirit reveals something of Jesus to you. Lord, show me something of yourself. Let the Holy Spirit that's within me, you've given, let it reveal something of you today. Something fresh of you. Oh, you'll never run out. Listen, the other day, just last, the other week, we we're walking up the hill and, and uh, quite often we see Ken up the hill, up Kaidi Hill, because we live up that way as well. And I wrote this down because it was just so lovely. Uh, I had been talking to Marilyn about some psalms that I'd been reading and uh, Psalm 16.8, I keep the Lord always before me. He's before me, not my problem. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. And, and we're talking about this. And, and I, I'm sharing with Marilyn about the importance of, oh, just... Just that whole thing of keeping Jesus in front of you. And she, she, we're walking side by side. And the next minute she says, you know, I've been reading those Psalms and, and this is what I see. And she holds my right hand. And uh, listen, I, I, I just want to, I just want to do this physically with somebody here. You are holding the Lord's right hand. His face is always before you. We're walking side by side. But she turns around and she, to she says, It's like this. The Lord is in front of you. The Lord is looking. I tell you, my heart left. I mean, every time I look around, my heart left. <laughs> there was something special about that. And sister, I believe the Lord wants me to do that to you. 
you're not looking at Stuart Patrick. Jesus is right in front of you. Jesus is with you. He is precious to you. He has great things for you. Amen? Listen. Hebrews are struggling with their issues and, and we all have life issues. But he is they, the, the writer is saying, keep your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. The law of psychiatry is this. You can only dispossess by possessing. That is a law of psychiatry. And the Christian church says, Amen, they're right. You dispossess those things that cling and the sin and all the rest. You dispossess, you can only do it by possessing the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 12.2 is the truth of that, pointing you and I to the living truth with a capital T. Now finally, I conclude with this. Jesus is the heart refresher for the weary believer. The heart refresher. And I, I, I want to just conclude by saying this. Some of you go through are going through some stuff that you would term bad at the moment. It's bad, it's horrible stuff. But you've known there are good things that have happened in your life as well. And you try and distinguish between the good and the bad and, it, and Lord, I just can't make sense of it. Why that and yet that? Why? Listen, what does Romans 8.28 tell us? All things work together. Hold on to that word together. The Lord is working with a world that is predominantly, totally antichrist. Am I right? And He, in His amazing ways, brings all the evil that is upon and happening in this world, which you and I get affected by, etc., etc. And He has you, sister, He has you, and He has me and everybody else, carefully, Molding everything that hits us and comes at us, shaping it together. The good and the bad he uses together for good, for his great purposes. Do you believe that? There's no other way. Why do I keep saying looking to Jesus? In him... There is no good or bad. You look at his life on earth. The cross and the crown are not separated, but they're one. To take Christ down was to bring him up. Satan's attempts to take you down can only bring you up. All things work together. Remember that concept. God has a will of steel that he is going to make you come through in the end. He is working all things together. It will change your outlook on life. Let's pray together. Father, oh thank you for thank you for the church right through the ages 
it's had the same issues. We're no different. We lose our focus on our Saviour. But Lord, you bring us back. You are the one who has birthed our faith. You are the one who will bring it through, right through to the end. And I pray for every precious dear soul here that today they put off any weariness. They put off and possess again the focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.